0: Welcome to LiveAlittleHigher.com. This week we read Parashah by Yeshef. And, um, and the parashah is full of, of stories, of uh, drama. It's a parasha full of drama. And um, and the ep- and there's an episode in this parashah, is the episode of Judah and Tamar. So what happens is that uh, Judah is marrying his first son, heir, to a beautiful girl, Tamar. And uh, this heir doesn't want to have children with her because she's a beautiful woman and he doesn't want to ruin her beauty. And so he he throws his seed. And this is something that is a, a sin in the Torah. A man should not throw his seed away. It's sinful. And so what happened is that he died. And so, there's a concept in, in Judaism that is called Leveret marriage in which if a, if a man dies eh, and doesn't leave any descendants, he has no offspring then the widow, the woman that, that was left a widow eh, is, um, should marry the second brother, the brother of this man and through him have descendants that that are like the brothers. So what happened is that this Er died and uh, Tamar married the second brother, Onan, and the same thing happened with him. Uh, this Onan also, it seems that she was very beautiful and he didn't want to ruin her beauty and he did the same as his brother and he eventually died. So Yehuda, uh, said to her, like, go to your father's home and I'll send for you to come and marry my, my other son, my my little son, and I'll, I'll send for you. But he really didn't want her to marry this this little son because he thought, like, this woman has something. Like, he, she already killed two of my sons. How am I gonna give him my third son? So he doesn't send for her. Years go by and by and by, and he doesn't send for her and this Tamar realized that Yehuda Judah, was withholding uh, this third son whose name was Shelah he was withholding him um, from her and uh, one thing that Yehuda didn't recognize that he didn't realize is that his sons had died because of their own, own sins they didn't die because of her they, die, they died because of their own sins so, uh, Tamar was a prophetess, she was a prophetess, she, she could see, and she knew that from her and uh, her union with the house of Judah, Messiah would come. So what she did is that she disguised herself as a prostitute, in those days the prostitutes dressed in black and they covered their face so nobody knew who they were and she sat in the crossroads and she knew that Yehuda was traveling he had also become a widow at that time and she saw that she knew that he was traveling so she sat in the middle of these crossroads and when he saw her he hired her as a prostitute and um, you know the Torah sometimes is a little x-rated but what happened is that they had um, consensual, a consensual relationship and and uh, he never knew it was her he thought he was a prostitute and he had nothing to pay her with so he said to her that he was going to leave her with his signet and his, uh, and his uh, some of his uh, belongings so she could go and look for him and he could pay her so we see that from this union uh, two twins, uh, a set of twins was born, Perez uh, and Serah, and these Perez and Serah were the predecessors of the royal dynasty of Yehuda, of the Jewish kings that became King David. So it is from this lineage that Messiah will come. And sometimes we find in the Torah that things come in very topsy, topsy, derby ways ways that don't look like righteous, but sometimes Hashem has to send such a light into this world that He has to create this um, confusion for these neshamas to be able to come to the world. And this is something that that happened here. So according to the book, The Inner Dimension by Rabbi Itza Ginsberg, he tells us in a deeper sense that this account of Yudah or Yehuda and his complex relationship with Tamar eh, really eh, merits to be eh, carefully evaluated and uh, he turns to focus on Tamar who actively initiated this episode she went and looked for it and we will meditate on her name in her Hebrew in Hebrew Tamar Tamar is a date palm. And um, the seventh and final species with which the land of Israel has blossomed. And if you have ever had the merit to visit the Holy Land, you're going to see that it's full of date palms. And it, it, it's a desert. It's like unbelievable that in such a place, in such an arid place, uh, these date palms grow there. So it is also the root of the word exchange, temurah. Which alternately we can divide the name Tamar into two, which is Tam and Mar. Tam Mar. So something that is Tam in Hebrew means that it's complete, and ta, and and Mar means bitter. Comes from the word Maror, bitter, uh, bitterness, and this alludes to the completion or end of bitterness. And so, like a day palm, which can turn an arid wilderness into a flourishing oasis, Tamar knew how to exchange bitter to sweet. This is the, the quality of Tamar. And if any of you, your name is Tamar, eh, this is what your name represents. That You have a quality that anything that is bitter in life, you have the quality to be able to turn it to sweetness. This is your essence. This is your, your specialness in life. So the day palm thrives on salt, on bitter water. Uh, That's why in the desert, in Israel, uh, uh, it's so arid and so salty, and that's why they blossom there. And it transforms into a honey sweet fruit. So the date, when they talk in in that the, the Israel is a land full of milk and honey, when it's talking about honey, it's not talking about the honey of the bees, it's talking about the honey of the dates. So some of the events in this story are bitter pills. It's bitter, it's bitter. Like, you, you, you read the story, it really is like, ugh. Like, it's like a Hollywood uh, uh, movie right now. It sounds even like, off. Uh, and it's a bitter pill to swallow, beginning with the, with the attitudes of Er and Onan, and Onan, scenes that caused their subsequent deaths, and concluding with Judah's unquestionable uh, behavior because he was a judge, he was a dean, he was a judge, he was uh, seen as one of the most important people, and, um, but nevertheless he acted in a way that was not befitting to who he was. And so we see here that Tamar's act presents a clear example of turning the bitterness of death into the ultimate rectified sweetness of redemption. So the light of Meshia is the sweet fruit that emerges from bitterness. And Tamar is the origin of Meshia's level of consciousness which transforms darkness into light and the bitter into sweetness. And it's interesting that we're reading this today because on, on Sunday night, the 25th of, um, of, 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 of Kislev, we're gonna start celebrating Hanukkah. And, uh, and that's the whole point of Hanukkah, is that we're lighting these menorahs, and the light of the menorah is transforming the bitterness of this exile into light. And, and to be able to bring out all the darkness of the world, you only need to bring light. Light will take care of darkness, it will make it disappear. So sometimes in life, we have to go through things that look bitter, that make no sense. That they, that they're like even you get nauseous about them. It, the story is not a good story, you know. But at the end of the day, everything has a purpose. Everything has a meaning. And in this exile, sometimes we're not able to see that. But in hindsight, when we go through life and we see whatever we had to go through that was not clear cut, we can see how the light came out of it. So, the Maggid of Meserich, and it's interesting because as I'm, uh, as I'm uh, uh, filming this, this video, it is the yurt site of the Maggit of Meserich, it's the, his, his anniversary of, he, of his passing, and, um, and he was a, a student and the successor of the Baal Shem Tov. And he explains that the meaning of Tamar is the end of bitterness. A foreign thought is bitter, but in truth, it is innocent. So he used the word tamar, tamar, that it's complete, complete, um, the bitterness is complete. What it means is that sometimes some foreign thought, a trouble that you can have while you're praying, if you pray, you're gonna see that all these thoughts come into your head. In the better case, these may be thoughts about Business, it can be a thought about a problem you're having, or it can be a stupid thought about your laundry, or the, 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 the shopping list that you need to go through. And and we see that what it's that, that at that moment a person when he's trying to pray gets very irritated that these things keep popping into their head. But the maggot of message, he says that everything that looks bitter in life that everything that looks that is not good in reality in the root of that that thing in the in in the upper realm it is sweet so once it trickles down to the world it, it comes down as a bitterness but the root of 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 whatever that bad thought you're having in your head the root of it really comes from a good place and so he says he realizes that this thought originates in the holy letters. It is merely their order that is foolish. And the maggot explains that the source of all thoughts is in the sacred Hebrew letters. This is the source of all thoughts and the building blocks of creation. And if a specific thought appears foolish and sinful, it is because we have combined the letters in the wrong order. And so the root of the initial thought remains pure and holy but it is as if we are wrongly assembling a puzzle. So to rephrase this, to, to help you understand it better, is that nothing bad can come from Hashem. Nothing bad, nothing bad can come from Hashem. No evil can come from Hashem. Everything that we have in this world is good. But once it comes down, it, it's like he's saying, the message that the, the puzzle is not well assembled. So once we get it here, it looks as if it is bad. But in reality, it, it comes from a good place. It comes from a, from a higher good. So one example of such a letter combination that is turned from good into evil is in the verse in the Torah portion, Er, Yudas' first son was evil, Ra in God's eyes. So when an individual realizes that his improper thoughts are a misinterpretation of something good, He can enter the world of exchanges and from these combinations other words can be formed. From words of folly emerge words of Torah. So what he's saying is that every word has permutations. You can have the same letters and write different words with the same letters. So a foreign thought is a bitter and evil, but recognizing its source elevates it to its root to the world of exchanges. So if you're praying and you have a bad thought, Something that is interrupt, interrupting your prayer, for example, all you have to do is rearrange it in your head and and, 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 and switch it like move it to the to to concentrate on what you 're praying, and you're just going to be exchanging the words and so at that moment, the puzzle can be reconstructed, and the folly can be sweetened so What we learned from Tamar is that she had this aspect of herself, that she was able to turn everything around. Something that was bitter became the future of the Jewish people, became our hope, which is Mashiach. And the Rebbe Shnir Salman of Liadi, which today also is a special and auspicious day, is Yud Tet Kislev, which is the Rosh Hashanah of, of, of Habad, because today was the day that the Alter Rebbe was released from the Tsarist prison, where he was uh, taken prisoner because he was uh, disseminating all this Hasidut. In those days, this was a no-no. Uh, he understood that his imprisonment really was he was being judged in heaven, uh, and the judgment was to see if his teachings were ready to come to the world. And he, he knew that if they were not going to be ready to come to the world, he would die. But if he was going to be released, it meant that he, Hashem had given him the go to go and print all, all the writings he had, the Tanya, and all these mystical teachings that we're learning. This is from him. This is, this is from, from, from Hasidut, that today we have this huge gift. That we wouldn't be able to learn Torah in this level if it was not for these uh, two incredible uh, luminaries who were, which were the Maggid of Meserich who was the the teacher of the Alter Rebbe and the Alter Rebbe. So the Alter Rebbe, the youngest and dearest disciple of the Maggid, writes that this method of elevating foreign thoughts is the service of the righteous. This is what the tzaddikim do all day. They're turning around the energy of the world. Anything that is negative they're transforming it into positive. And this is why the the Lubavitcher Rebbe was so strong in that concept of think good and it will be good. It was not only lip service, it was really true. If you think good, it's gonna be good. And to talk positive always, he never used negative connotations when he was expressing himself. He was always using the positive side. Of, of, of saying things. He would never, never, never in his whole life talk negatively. And so the, the instruction for the general populace is to ignore or expel the improper thought. So for us, in our level, is to push away with our two hands, like the, like the alter revet taught us, not with one hand. You push with two hands all negative thoughts, and, um, and, and, and nevertheless, the realization that foreign thoughts are rooted in a positive, positive source. So in our level, as simple human beings, our job is to push away the bad thought and to think positive. The tzaddik, those righteous individuals, they can transform the, the, the evil to the good, the bitter to the sweet. So the explanation offered by the Maggit shines a new light on the story of Judah and Tamar. This very cryptic story in which Judah thought that the woman he met was a simple prostitute. And uh, and if we see the word for prostitute is Kedeshah, Kedeshah, but in truth she was a righteous and holy woman and you can Exchange the word to mean kedusha, which means ho- holy, set apart. And so, from this ked- kedusha, she is a kedusha, and the daughter was his daughter-in-law. And he thought that Amar had become pregnant illegit- illegitimately, but in truth, she was pregnant with his own child, because they came to her and said, "You know, your daughter-in-law is pregnant." And so he was a judge, and how can she be pregnant? This is a, this is like adultery because she's promised to for my other son, and he made her come, and he was gonna hang her. She was gonna die. Uh, this was the the what had to be done. And when she came before he he did that, she came and she brought him his uh, his uh, his. Uh, the things that he had left with her, his, his, his net ring and his, uh, and his uh, staff, she brought this with him and he said, you know, the, the, the father of this child is the owner of these uh, articles. And he realized that this was him. And so he recognized his wrongdoing. This is something huge. He recognized that it was him. So she gave birth to these two babies. And, um, and, and Pérez actually is the one that is the progenitor of King David. So so we see that the moment Judah realized the truth, all the bitterness turned into sweetness, a story that could have ended horribly, ended up bringing the redemption, the future redemption of the Jewish people. So every individual has an innate sense of ego. We all have our ego. This is healthy. We need to know that we exist. That's why we have an ego. Is a realization that we have an existence, but an, a, a, a self-inflated ego can be very dangerous, and it can deteriorate into egocentrism, na- narcissism, aggrandizement—a person that is arrogant and full of self-pride—and uh, and this 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 way of feeling about oneself is the number one killer of our relationship with Hashem or our relationship with anybody because a person that feels this way cannot have a relationship with anybody so the Hasidic way of serving God is to refine our sense of self with the realization that God creates as a new every moment Thus, our ego is essentially non-existent so I've said this in different classes that Hashem doesn't create didn't create the world Hashem recreates the world at every instant. He's verbalizing it at every instant. So we are being recreated at every instant. So the, when we think that we do exist, is really, you know, do we? Do we really exist? And so God created the world, something from nothing. He's the only being that can create from nothing. We have no capacity to create something from nothing, and the Maggid of Meserich taught that the service of the righteous is to turn the something, which is the ego, the something, back into nothing. And, and we are not the Tzadikim, and this is not our job, but we can emulate the Tzadikim, so every time we work on nullifying ourselves, of connecting ourselves to Hashem, of uh, making Hashem the center of the universe, not ourselves. What is important is Hashem. When you're going through a situation, is it about you or is it about what Hashem wants from you? You know, it's a completely different type of life. When you see your situation and you're thinking, oh, this person does this to me and they did this to me and it's not fair and they're abusing me and this and this and this, Yeah, it's about you, the ego. But if you're thinking, okay, Hashem put me here in this situation. He put all this bitterness around me. What does he want from me? What's the whole point here? And and once you start looking at your life in that way of what is my... Purpose here. What's my obligation in this situation? What do I have to learn from this? What do I have to do here? How can I turn this bitterness into light? And in that way, we are gonna be humbling all the comfortable feelings the ego gives us about ourselves, and we're gonna be able to nullify them. Is a and nullification is a bitter experience. To let the ego go is bitter. It's bitter. it's it's, it's hard. It's not easy. But once you are able to do this, you're able to, 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 to get rid of the mar, uh, which is alluded in the name of Tamar. mar, uh, you, you will see that the sweetness that you're gonna receive after nullification of your ego, is nothing, there's nothing in the world like that. And that's why it's compared to a date bomb. Because the sweetness of a a date, there's no sweetness like the sweetness of the date. And so we see that this experience of a a, a moment of true selflessness, a person that has been able to feel this at a moment, can appreciate the sweetness of the divine nothingness, and from which the world was created. And with hindsight, we realize the initial bitterness was our ego, which was hijacking our innate sense of standing in the presence of God. How can an egocentric stance be anything but bitter? The taste of true ego nullification in submission to God is sweeter than honey." So eh, in a summary, in a nutshell, what this is teaching us is that situations sometimes make people very bitter and bitterness comes from ego but once we're able to get rid of that it can be 10 minutes of your life that you're able to get rid of that ego it's not something that it's so easy to get rid of eh, and you're able to connect to the true source of the bitterness then this bitterness is not going to be bitterness it's going to be sweetness so i want to wish you a blessed week and uh, let's hope that this, this, this generation in which we're living uh, is able to, to turn around all the bitterness that we encounter and shower it with sweetness. And the way to do it is by doing Hashem's will, when we connect to His will and not our will. So may we merit the coming of Mashiach in our days. And uh, remember, live a little higher. Thank you.